Hi, this is Ian Wolfe, producer, host and writer for Diffusion Science Radio. I need your support. You can support Diffusion by downloading a free Audible audiobook from audibletrial.com science. Just for getting you to try them out, Audible will pay me a small reward. Or you could click on an Amazon link on diffusionradio.com and Amazon will kick a few percent of what you pay them my way. Please, make a donation directly with the PayPal button on www.diffusionradio.com. Diffusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. And my apologies for the fluey voice. On this edition, why broccoli is good for you. But first up, here's the news. Brain nets to gather your thoughts. A team of Harvard University physicists, neuroscientists and a chemist led by Charles Lieber have invented a soft conductive polymer mesh that is injected into the brain to both read information and to stimulate the brain directly. A sub-micrometer-thick, centimetre-scale mesh is rolled up and injected using a needle just 100 micrometers in diameter. It unrolls inside the skull, filling any cavities and brain cells grow around it and through it. The team have injected nets containing 16 electronic elements into two different brain regions in mice. The points of the mesh have either electrodes to monitor activity or transistors to stimulate individual brain cells. They're not very clear on how transistors stimulate the cells. They foresee the mesh as being used to treat Parkinson's disease, motor disorders, paralysis and repair brain damage caused by stroke. The team will have to prove the safety of the procedure over longer periods before human trials can begin. The meshes were observed in the mice for five weeks. In E&M Bank science fiction novels, people in the culture have meshes like this called a neural lace embedded in their brains to record all their mental activity so that copies of their minds can be resurrected in new bodies after they die. In George Alec Effinger's novels, meshes like these amplified what brains could achieve, making people smarter and more highly skilled. The paper was published in the journal Nature Nanotechnology and was titled Syringe Injectable Electronics. listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com 
We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Inspiring Science recently hosted its monthly talks by early career researchers at Ultimo Library. Asta Singh is currently pursuing a career in science communication. She finished her PhD at the University of Sydney, where she researched glucosinolates in broccoli. First, you'll hear Asta's talk, followed by a short chat about her work. The noises in the background come from the air conditioning and people moving in the background of the library. How many of you had broccoli this week? In your breakfast, lunch or dinner, any meal? Wonderful. You guys are going to be anti-cancerous and antimicrobial. So yes, these are the qualities that um, broccoli has. It's anti-cancerous. It's um, got 130 different types of glucosinolates. Glucosinolates is what we're going to hear the next 15 minutes. So get your senses accustomed to this word. It's a chemical that's present in all these brassica crops like mustard, uh, mustard, cabbage, cauliflower, uh, rocket, all of these. And uh, out of, uh, of, of many of those glucosinolates, out of the 130, are anti-cancerous, and a few are antimicrobial, which means that they are beneficial to us in terms of health, and they are also beneficial to plants because we can use them as a micro-killing agent. We can use them as pesticides, or in, in other words, organic pesticides. So the microbe, because I'm a plant pathologist, there has to be a microbial element in my study. The microbe that I study was albugo. It's called albugo candida. It's sort of a fungus, but people in the in the bigger science world actually don't call it a fungus anymore because of the hierarchy of the the classification system. So they call it oomycete, um, and that's the spore of the oomycete, the purple color. It's just stained. And that's the dry spore, the big one. So that spore, the dry one, stays for more than 20 years. It just stays in, in what debris, which is dry. Um, whereas that one is the more active one, um, and it doesn't stay for a very long time, but it spreads the infection. Um, spreading the infection on live plants, so the albugo doesn't stay in petri dishes or test tubes or any other places. It only stays in a plant. So if, for my research, for the whole three years, I had to have plants. And I had to have albugo in those plants. So I, ha- I went for a holiday in India, and they all died. And I came back, and there is no albugo. And, you know, my research sort of paused for three weeks, and I had to contact someone from Perth and get some albugo cultures and culture again. Anyway, um, long story short, these zoo spores, they come out of the, the big sporangia, the purple one, go into the leaf, infect the leaf, and culture themselves. And after they multiply themselves, they become white. And that's why the disease is called white rust. So as I said before, these are the dry ones. They stay in the field. And if they get some water, they, they become alive. If they don't get some water, if it's dry, it's they just stay there for like years. The water makes sure that they create a sporangia, which has a zoospore. That zoospore moves, they form another lot of sporangia in the, in the plant, and from there it gets infected to fresh plants, and then from there it gets 
say for example the field is taken away from all the broccoli is taken away from the field, so it gets the debris gets left behind in the fields and then it rests in those spores, which are the resting spores. So in the earlier stages of what I did, I tested a few micro antimicrobial chemicals which which basically defense activate the plant. So basically what they do is if they are, if they're sprayed on the plant, they activate the defense mechanism and the pathogen doesn't culture themselves. So I used Bion, which is one of the defense activating uh, chemicals, on broccoli and excess Bion stunted the growth, which helped me figure out the amount of Bion to use in my research. This is just a picture of the experiments. Um, similar number of plants and um, similar conditions and random random um, size block, randomized size block. So um, coming back to the good chemicals, which are glucosinolates, um, usually exist in phloem, sometimes in the xylem, and um, uh, every part of the plant has them, so flowers, uh, seeds, uh, leaf, and the stem. So, um, now, now starts the whole cumbersome process of uh, uh, preparing the, the samples to be able to assessing the, the good chemicals. So what I wanted to do was to assess those chemicals in my broccoli leaves so I know uh, what increases them, what decreases them, uh, what happens, what happens if Bion is infected, what happens if, if albugo is infected. As I said, we were talking about the albugo. So with the sample pre uh, preparation method, what I did was I had fresh leaves. Fresh leaves were infected with a vivo and also sprayed with the binary. And then those samples were straight away thrown into liquid nitrogen, otherwise they would react and then I wouldn't have the good results. Um, liquid nitrogen would get them frozen and then they would be freeze-dried and so the component in the freeze-dried material would be exactly as in the fresh sample. And then gr grounded the sample. I actually grounded 900 samples in a pistol and mortar sitting day and night in my lab, um, sleeping there, bunk bed, and then getting up again, and then grinding up again. Powdered form, and then that powdered form uh, would be used in a HPLC, which is essentially a machine where you analyze the amount of glucose in the machine. So um, what I saw was 15 days after infection, so inoculation, which is the albigo, 15, 20, and 30, and 40. So that's what I measured, and I found out that 30 days was when the inoculated sample <coughs> showed a lot of the glucosinolates, the good So if I spray the plant with my albigo, that's what it showed, a, a really high spike 30 days after inoculation. These are the four good ones the good that are That's what I measured. Then the question was why? Why is this happening? Why are they increasing themselves 30 days after infection? And then I went back to some, backtracked uh, some of the history and I found out that a lot of biochemistry around glucosinolates uh, starts with enzymes. And so those enzymes are the precursors. They are, uh, they are the, the kickstarter. Uh, to um, alter levels of these chemicals. And so I checked uh, those enzymes in earlier stages. And earlier stages, I found out the same thing again. 
spike, a little bit of spike with the, with the chemicals, and then 30 days again. Similar spike. Again, coming back to those enzymes, at day three was when the enzyme was high. So what happened was when the pathogen had infected, the albumin had infected the plant, three, three days after the enzyme started working and within two weeks, um, it triggered the glucosinolate levels and then within 30 days they were <coughs> symbols. So these are the following experiments, use of defense activating chemicals which is bion that I showed earlier on, the enzyme which showed the three-day result, and then I studied other crops um, like mustard and rocket which are same, um, glucosinolate owning crops. Now, um, this is just a part of my research. Um, being, being a science communication uh, professional, um, I always um, thought that there are opportunities in research that I should uh, look for, and so lots of opportunities like fellowships. So I got two fellowships myself during uh, my PhD, a um, couple of scholarships, so lots <coughs> of money uh, coming from here and there. There are awards and prizes uh, that, that Jeff has got that a lot of researchers um, do get. And uh, if, if your research is in enterprising enough, um, get lots and lots of grants and funding. And some amazing opportunities if, if, uh, if we study science or your kids, your relatives, if you are studying science yourself, um, just to let you know that they can become scientists, academics, teachers in schools, analysts in private companies, consultants, marketers, educationists, um, social service people, um, they can run their own non-for-profit organization, they can be science communicators, and they can become government advisors. And thank you, if you have any questions. <coughs> thank you. Any questions? So, uh, uh, any cancer and then So, um, yeah, so they have been found to be antimicrobial and those microbes are necessarily fungi. So bacteria has no harm. So in terms of gut bacteria, I don't think there is there is anything to worry about um, because they, they, they really do stuff to microbes that are fungi. And the microbes that I studied were also essentially fungi. Any other questions? Can you relate this to us Yes! <laughs> yes, that's the most important thing. Obviously, you're not going to do this research at home and talk about it. So yes, broccoli sprouts, wonderful um, source of, uh, of uh, glucosinolates, and in other words, uh, they're metabolized. They metabolize our body very, very well. Um, <coughs> even the leaves. You won't believe I eat broccoli leaves. I, I used to grow so many plants, and when the experiment used to finish, the fresh ones and the controls, they were all used to they all used to go away. So I used to take it home and um, and eat it. Um, apart from that, spinach rocket is very very good. The pungent taste in rocket is because of glucosinolate. And the, the thirty day. Yeah. So that is. How is that? No, 
No, for you there would be nothing. The only idea of me testing that was to stress the plant. So if I, if, so what I wanted to see is how we can raise it. It's there, right? It's there, but in minimal levels. So if you want to raise it, how we do it? Which is why I infected it. Which meant that if we're stressing the crop, it's increasing. So my idea was to do an experiment and get a basic research on if it has to be done in a commercialized way in, you know, in, in, in say, example, a broccoli nursery, they would find other ways to stress the plant um, and increase the good chemicals, which involves a lot of failed research, actually, because broccoli is something that's not grown in a lab. So the plant so. grass yeah. Sure. So if you see this, this control, so if you see, this is a normal plant. Yeah. That's a, that's a normal plant, that's a normal plant, that's a normal plant. No difference. They're all the same. This, don't worry about it. They're all the same. Whereas this one, that's the one um, that is inoculated. There is 0 0.05 compared to significant difference um, according to statistics, uh, which is what we focused on, and, and that was because of the fungi. So it is one way to say that if you stress the sand, the glucosinolate biochemical changes happen and it increases and these are the only four I tested, there are 130 of them. So there's a whole lot of research world that can be opened up. Lots of possibilities. Very good questions. Thank you for listening. Any any other questions? Take home message. Eight rockets. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks a lot. And next up, A Little Bit by MJ Hibbert and the Validators, a song about the process of science. They had it easy in the Renaissance. They could invent new branches of science over lunch. But nowadays we work more incrementally. No one's naming any new elements after us. Takes a lot of little steps And though it isn't very glamorous We won't make a world-shattering breakthrough We might find an explanation For gravitic oscillation But I somehow doubt you'll hear it on the news Cos we'll do a little bit But it's a little bit Heroes had a little bit of 
After her talk, I chatted with Esther about her research. I began by asking her, what are glucosinolates? Glucosinolates are anti-cancerous and antimicrobial chemicals. They're present in broccoli and I basically just studied their levels after infecting them with um, a, a albugo candida, which is a white rust causing fungi. It's not necessarily a fungi, it's oomycete, but they call it fungi. And I also studied the levels after after applying defense activated chemicals like bion and phosphonate and then studied their levels and we found that after stress with the with the fungi the levels increased so when you say it's a defense increasing chemical what does that mean defense activating chemicals basically elicit uh, the the defense mechanism of the plant so it produces sars which are Defense-activating chemicals necessarily elicit plants' own defense mechanism where they do not let the pathogen infect them. Different defense-activating chemicals have different modes. So some of them go through the cells, some of them go through the xylems, the phloems, some of them have different mechanisms and through which the pathogen cannot affect the, the plant. That's all. They don't kill the pathogen, they're not killers, but they're activators of their own defense, yes. Like stimulating the immune system of the plant. That's exactly right, yeah. Okay, so you were looking at ways of increasing the glucosinolate, and so you use this stimulant of the plant's defences while you also infected the plants with this microfungus. Yes, so uh, stimulated the plant's defence with Bion and studied the levels, then stimulated the plants, and then... Um, infected them and then studied the levels as well. So I did all the combinations and yes, uh, the maximum increase was with just the pathogens and not with anything else. Yeah. And so you were able to work out how to increase the glucosinolates so that they can be put to a maximum level before harvest? Not before harvest, no, because I didn't study the, the, floral, the, the floral stage and the fruit stage, but it basically is, is an indicator where stressed plants are found to have higher levels of, of glucosinolates, uh, which is just an indicator. And there's heaps and heaps of other ways, lots of field work, lots of other crops that can be studied to find out more about this research. And glucosinolates, what do they do for people that eat them? Glucosinolates have been found to be anti-cancerous for a lot of breast cancer, tumours and have read colon cancer and a couple of other types of cancers as well and they're antimicrobial as well especially on fungi so they can um, be used as biofumigants uh, so in the field uh, in terms of like we do mulching in the in the field so they can be used as um, biofumigants as well what sort of vegetables have you been studying i have studied um, indian mustard rocket and broccoli three so if you eat these plants, will you get these benefits of the antimicrobial and the anti-cancer? Depends. It, uh, lots of varieties, lots of cultivars have different levels. So not necessarily, but in terms of uh, the, the generic sort of statements, yes, um, broccoli does give you uh, higher levels of these metabolites and these chemicals that are, that are usually beneficial. There's no harm. I just want to say have a lot of broccoli, fresh, steamed, and lots of salad, lots of rocket, lots of uh, mustard leaves, uh, even mustard flowers. I eat them. They're pungent, but they're really good for your health. And um, just be healthy and anti-cancerous. Well, Esther, thank you very much. Thank you. That was Esther Singh, 
telling us why we should always eat our broccoli at the Inspiring Science Talks at Ultimo Library. With new, your product here. Available to all, man is working modern miracles. Breaking the boundaries of time. Nearing the conquest of space itself. In countless ways, directly and indirectly, your product here serves the nation and its citizens, plays a vital role in helping every American to achieve a better way of life, enables or helps him to enjoy healthful recreation, have well-trained, obedient pets, make friends, have leisure time for travel, grow bigger crops, Get real smoking satisfaction. Strengthen our national defense. Keep romance from fading away. Enjoy smoother shades. Live in a more comfortable home. Take off ugly fat. Achieve success. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. A big thank you to Andrew from Melbourne for his monthly donation. Would you like to hear your voice on Diffusion? Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Maybe it'll encourage other people to listen. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the community radio network, including 2 Triple H in Hornsby, Kringai, 2NVR in Nambaka Valley, 2XX in Canberra, and 3MBR in the Mallee border districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for photos and videos about this week's show. Ask your local radio station to broadcast Diffusion. I'm Ian Wolf. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio.